listening to Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Now, here's Pastor Scott. This morning, I'm going to focus. It's not a repeat of last night's message. I want to focus on a portion, though, of that same passage. And the title is All Points Bulletin. It's an APB. And we're going to be in Luke 2, verses 8 through 20. Um, if you don't know uh, what an AB, APB is on All Points Bulletin, maybe you've been the, the subject of one of those. Anybody? I mean, no, I'm just kidding. A general bulletin broadcast to alert law enforcement officers over a wide area that someone, such as a suspect or something, a vehicle, is being actively sought in connection with a crime. Well, that's not a APB I don't want to be a part of. But an APB could be also issued for a missing person or a witness to an accident or a crime, something like that. But basically, it's a message of great importance sent in all directions by those in authority. It basically, it's saying, may I have your attention, please? And this is the information we're, we're giving you and what we're looking for. Within that is a, a bolo. It's another thing we see in our passage today, that All Points Bulletin has a be on the lookout for. In our text this morning, it's going to be watch for Jesus. So then there's an announcement to the shepherds. Luke 2, verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, and they were keeping watch over the flock by night. In the same country that Jesus was born, there's some shepherds hanging out. We've talked about them often. We talk about them every year when we get to Christmas. Bethlehem's shepherds were known to care for the temple flock. These men may also have protected and cared for the very lambs that were used in the temple sacrifices. They were staying or living out in the fields. Many have said that the, the a late December date is impossible because the shepherds would not have been out at night in that time of year. Nevertheless, the warm winters are not unknown in Judea with a climate that's similar to Southern California. Even our own weather in Colorado, right? It was 50 degrees one day and it's negative 15 the next day. But there's a chance it could have been out there and there's many, many theories Ultimately, whether Jesus was born in December or September or March or January, it doesn't change the true meaning of Christmas. But the debate over Jesus' real birthday shows how difficult it is at times to place specific dates in ancient events. It's most likely that the early Christians moved the date to the 25th to meet their culture, to influence that culture to know and to understand who Christ is and was. However, it didn't happen right away. There was persecution that the Christians were enduring. They were more focused on resurrection. <laughs> they were more focused on Easter, the resurrection of Christ. And that was their main focus. And here we have the shepherds, the lowest class of people, unclean because of tending sheep. The very shepherds that were raising and tending the animals for the priests and the sacrifice of the temple, unclean. 
they couldn't go into the temple. They weren't allowed to. Most of the shepherds were known also as thieves, not trustworthy, not reliable. God chose to announce the birth of Jesus to the lowest, not to the kings, not to the priests, not to the leaders, but the lowest. God has friends in low places, just like the great theologian Garth Brooks. Why not the wealthy and influential? It was to show, that, to show everyone that no matter who you are, you're never too low to be out of the reach of God. The Bible's full of examples of God using those that are less than in the eyes of men to accomplish great things. So a question for you this morning is, do you understand that God can and will use you to accomplish great things? I quote these lyrics from Carmen often, um, Christian singer from back in the 90s. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what the scar. It doesn't matter what the sin. It doesn't matter if you've fallen somewhere along the way. There's healing for your life today. That healing comes from the blood that was shed by Jesus at the cross. And in that healing comes a story which must be told with awe, with awe and wonder. Speaking of which, here we are in the text, uh, the awe and wonder, the birth of Jesus in Luke 2, 9 through 14, an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. So I have a question for you. Have you ever had a, a burning bush experience? You know that time where you've had a conversation with God or, or the presence of the Holy Spirit is so strong, all you can do is get on your knees. And maybe you even feel like you need to take your shoes off because you're on holy ground. I've had a few of those experiences. Why don't we pursue those more? I've had some people tell me when they've been in church and they've been in worship and, and even at the end of a service or, or they ask me, well, why do I start crying when I walk into the sanctuary? Could it be that the presence of God is ministering to you? Why do we not seek more times in his presence like that to be broken before the Lord and just feel his presence Daily. We should come with expectation as we open up God's word, we, as we spend time worshiping daily, not just Sunday morning when the guitar is here, or the keyboard's here, or there's vocalists, or even the drummer. Why don't we press in and worship on a daily basis? We should spend time worshiping. We should spend time expecting that God is going to speak to us and through us. When we hear from God, it's not just so we can put that in that bookcase at the back of your mind. It's so God is telling you something that you can tell somebody else. 
You don't just hold on to it. Here we have the shepherds. They were terribly frightened. Looking up that word in this, in this phrase, they're alarmed. They're in awe. There's reverence. They're straight up struck with fear. The glory of God was terrifying to the shepherds, and it would be to us. But then that statement, do not be afraid. The angel had said three times in two chapters, do not be afraid. For the first time that we know, according to Scripture, Jesus' throne in heaven is empty. The king of glory is not on the throne. He's left heaven to become a human not an adult human, but a baby in a womb that at birth would need attended to. God made flesh. Also, mankind could be redeemed and brought home to heaven. Remember, this is not our home. Also, mankind could be redeemed. The angels were in wonder. They had a different perspective of mankind than we do. They're trying to observe. They're trying to figure out what is happening. 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12 says, As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them they were not serving themselves, but you. In these things which now you have been announced, have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things into which the angels long to look. They're trying to figure out what's going on. They're trying to understand what grace is. What does it mean? Things into which angels long to look. Tony Evans says, the gospel is so incredible that even angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. They're observing the church and they're trying to understand God's amazing grace. How deep is his grace? May we, may our awe May we have that awe and wonder for salvation. I think we get complacent sometimes and, and we need to ask God to rekindle that awe and that reverence and that wonder that, that it would be rekindled, that there would be that fire and that understanding in our lives that we would be excited about our salvation and about the grace that God has given us. May our awe and wonder of the birth of Jesus be rekindled. Mine was as I prepared for last night and today and, and even in last night's message, man, I could feel the presence of God rekindling that in me, that awe and that wonder. What is Christmas like? I mean, you go in my office and it's all the Grinch. <laughs> the pictures, my little Christmas lights on my bamboo that's in there. It's the Grinch's face. But there's something that has changed in my heart, just like the Grinch. My heart grew three times that day. <laughs> Do we have awe and wonder about the birth of our Savior? Mine was, prepared, was as I prepared, and I praise God, and I pray for all of us the same, that, that that awe and that wonder of who Jesus is would grow and would be restored. 
I don't know about you guys, but as I've said before, I can, I'm a visual person as I'm reading the word. I can kind of picture things. And, you know, in, in the construction area, if, if you want me to build a bookcase, I already know exactly what it's going to look like before I pull the saw out. We have that visual picture. Well, picture this. You're working quietly. You're taking care of business. Things are quiet. No battles, no fires to put out. You're outside the fresh air that's still out, it's calm and quiet. Sounds great, doesn't it? And then, boom! An angel of the Lord is standing in front of you. Might startle you just a little bit. Can you imagine that? How easy do you scare? If you want an easy scare, Kiersey. Just saying. All you gotta do is just be present. It'll scare her. I try to scare Pam, she just stares at me and just says, really? What would your response be to an angel standing suddenly before you? I think I would tend to drop to my knees or maybe react like Kiersey does. Interrupting this quiet, dark night was the shining presence of an angel and the glory of the Lord shown around them. That, that burning bush glory, God's presence. And this first angel brought good news or good tidings. Literally, it means that they preached the gospel message to these shepherds who were regarded as social outcasts. What does it say in the gospel of John about salvation? And we even read this last night, John three sixteen and 17. We, most of us know it by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That's why Jesus came. Who did Jesus come for? Who did the angel come preaching the gospel to? He, he came to the rich and the prominent and the... No. He came to the lowly, to the broken. Morris said that as a class, shepherds had a bad reputation. More regrettable was their habit of confusing mine with thine, as they were known as thieves. And as they moved around the country, they were considered unreliable and not allowed to give testimony in the court of law. But Jesus came for everyone. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul stated boldly that the ground at the foot of the cross was level. The ground at the foot of the cross is for all people. Every single person in this room comes to Christ as a sinner. We all have the same level of need for salvation. Your need for salvation is no greater or less than my need. And it's only by faith in his grace that we're redeemed. In addition, God does not play favorites after we're saved either, neither by economic or social status, nor by the role that we're called to fulfill. Romans 2.11, for there is no partiality with God. He makes us into a single unit, the body of Christ. He calls us to serve him in obedience, individually and corporately, together as the church. Trapp points out here that the first preacher of the gospel was an angel. 
God has now taken this honor from the angels and given it to the ministers who in scripture are called angels, as we saw when we studied Revelation 2.1. It's given to man. What is this announcement? Verse 11, for today in the city of David, there has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. The announced birth of a savior, which was and still is exactly what mankind needs. We, we don't need another president. We don't need another king or advisor or reformer. We don't need another committee, but we need a savior. And after the single angel's announcement, a whole group of angels then appeared. It was a heavenly host that proclaimed peace. This host would be an army of angels. Can you see how they got the shepherd's attention? The world needed then and needs now peace more than ever. Even pagans are aware of their need for peace and a savior. Epictetus, a first century pagan writer, he expressed it this way, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is in the, unable to give peace from passion and grief and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns for more than even outward peace. How many of you desire inward peace? Anybody? It's just me. We desire that inward peace. So we compare and contrast God's glory shown through and around the angels. And then we see the humility of the birth of Jesus. God loves for his glory to be seen through the most unlikely packages. You remember how often I, I close the services as I pray for you. May your faith be seen and God be glorified in all you do. And that's not something that I take lightly. That is a phrase that came to light when Pam was diagnosed with breast cancer. As she said, well, I guess we get to see if my faith is real and if I can glorify God through this. You see, it is in our weakness and our brokenness that we are the strongest because we are relying on God, not on ourselves. We can't do it. We have to rely on him completely and wholly. When we think that we must be strong and, and capable in order to serve God, we miss the point of how God works entirely. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 12, and I'm just paraphrasing, it, it says, we are like jars of clay, common, weak, but valued by what we contain. It is in Christ that gives us our worth, power, wisdom, joy. It's in Christ not in ourselves, not in this broken body. And when we accomplish, what, what, and when he accomplishes his will through us, he does so in a manner that is far beyond our human abilities so that others can see what he has done and want to know him as well. He will be glorified in and through your life. Let God have all the glory so we, so we may have the peace. Hi, this is Pastor Scott from Foothills Calvary. I hope the Lord is speaking to you through today's message. 
I wanted to just take a second and invite you to join us for worship services at Foothills Calvary. We meet Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. If you'd like more information on Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. Now let's get back to our study. I pray that the Lord will continue to speak to you by his Holy Spirit. The people all around us see that there's turmoil. They, they know and understand that we need peace, but they don't know where to get that ultimate peace. And ultimately, the Holy Spirit is, is the one that brings the peace. He uses us, though, as a mouthpiece to share how others can have that true peace. Awe and wonder at the birth of Jesus and the first proclamation of the gospel message. The announcement is completed. The gospel message was proclaimed. It was proclaimed to you. You understood and, and you believed in that message. And then we make it personal. Okay, I understand the message. I believe now. Now what? Well, the now what is, where is God in your story today? The reality is that God is doing something in your life right now. You may think or feel as if God is absent from your circumstances. But I guarantee you, soon you'll, you'll look back and you'll see all that God did all that he is continuing to do. You see, God has a plan. And with the birth of Christ, he's saying to each of us, I have fulfilled what I promised through the Messiah. I will indeed finish what I have started in you. Philippians 1.6 says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. He has started a work in you. He will complete it. Stay focused. Don't get distracted. You see, Paul loved the Philippians, and, and as he sat in his Roman prison, he longed to visit him, but he also realized that his presence was not necessary for their spiritual growth. You see, you simply need God's word and the Holy Spirit. God is faithful to finish what he begins, and he does so in such a way that is beyond and above anything we can ask for and anything we can imagine. So never underestimate what he will continue to do through your faithfulness to him. Even long after you've completed your obedient service to him, especially when we think about the legacy of faith that you're leaving behind to those whose lives you've touched. We continue on in Luke 2, verses 15 through 18. The angels had gone away from them into the heaven, into heaven. The shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things that were told to them by the shepherds. They get the message. They have the communication. The first thing they say is, let's go straight there. Let's get there. It shows a genuine urgency. They didn't hesitate at all. What happens when God speaks to you and tells you something? What do you do normally? Oh, I think about that. That's kind of cool. Man, maybe, maybe I'll get to that someday. That's... The idea is that we put ourselves in our, in our faith and relationship with God in such a way that when his word speaks to us, we respond in obedience. 
and see the things which had happened. You see, the angel told them to look for a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. It wasn't an unusual sign to see a baby. It was a very unusual sign to see the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. But it was strange to see that baby lying in the manger, even so, in a feeding trough. And it's interesting, this week on Facebook, there's a, all the Christmas memes are going around, right? And it's, it's Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus in, in the manger, and there's a donkey standing there saying, go ahead, lay your kid in my food. I don't... But we think about what that even looks like. If the angel had not told them to look for such a specific sign, they never would have believed it. They found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay there in the manger. A strange sight, a very specific sign that they were told to look for. They no longer heard or saw the angels, but they had an abiding encounter with Jesus. Angels may go. You know, there's, there's ministering angels, right? I believe it. Now, we don't have faith in the angels, right? So don't get caught up into that mess. But God uses his angels to minister to us to protect us. They're there, but, but they, they go. Jesus remains. He never leaves. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He will always remain with us. The principle and promise of Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you. Can you imagine this? Calvin said, this was a revolting sight. This was sufficient of itself to produce an aversion to Christ. For what could be more improbable than to believe that he was the king of the whole people who was deemed unworthy to be ranked in the lowest of the multitude? Have you ever been to a farm before? Anybody? Ever hang out with the animals? They're really clean, right? It's so nice. It's pleasant. If you haven't, has anybody ever smelled Greeley before? Ah, uh, if you're from Denver, you know what I mean. It's not a pleasant place to be. It's not as pleasant as the Fisher-Price barnyard animals that my granddaughters play with. How amazing that the very shepherds that take care of the lambs that are used in the sacrifice of the temple were the very first ones to see the Lamb of God who would not just take away the sins of one man, but would take away the sins of the world. And these shepherds were so moved by what the angels said, that they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. You see, the combination of the angelic announcement and the sign of the child and the feeding trough inspired these shepherds to tell as many people as they could about what they had heard, what they saw, what they experienced. They were passionate. They were passionate about the message. Do you remember when you first gave your life to the Lord? Was there an excitement and a passion that maybe has dwindled a little bit? I know that that 25 plus years ago when I bent my knees and I said, Lord, I'm all in, I'll do whatever you want me to do. It was at that point where I knew that there had to be a change and I had to tell others about that. We need to get back to that place, our first love, and we need to really tell everybody we can about it. What did God do for you? Where were you and where are you now? the blood of the lamb and your, the word of your testimony, the testimony of what God has done, it's a powerful tool to draw others into the kingdom of God. Here's the caution. 
That's why Satan so desperately tries to destroy our testimony. He wants to destroy your story because your story brings hope. Hope that God can redeem and restore you. I'll stop there. We're going to preach a whole different message. Ask God to restore your passion and to help you boldly proclaim Christ. Share the hope that you have with gentleness and compassion. Share your story of how Jesus changed your life. All, right. All who heard it wondered at these things which were told to them by the shepherds. The shepherds' good news amazed all who heard it. Even if they didn't really understand it, they recognized that something significant had happened. Trap reminds us, God, to show that he respected not persons, revealed this grand mystery to the shepherds and wise men. The one poor, the other rich, the one learned, the other unlearned, to the Jew, to the Gentile, to the one near, to the one far off. I've never been one to fuss over famous or rich people. I've met a few. I've worked in some multi-million dollar houses and I've met some actors and actresses. I've, I've met famous sports figures, but never once have I asked for an autograph or even a picture. You see, they're just people. They're just people. They're people that are fulfilling their calling, their dreams. That, that's what they're doing. But I've also found that those who are rich and influential, well, they have difficulty at times accepting God into their lives. When I was in youth ministry, we were down at Calvary Temple. We're right there. There's Denver Country Club, Polo Grounds, multi-million dollar homes all around. That was the hardest place to evangelize. Evangelism there was like jackhammering concrete with a plastic spoon. Not very effective. Because they think they don't need him. I have everything I need. I mean, today I'm going to drive my, you know, convertible Porsche. Tomorrow I'll drive the Mercedes because it might be rainy. They have everything they need. And to that I would say, God, please help them and help us boldly proclaim the hope that we have in you. Within this, within our story, Mary stored up all she experienced in her heart, and then uh, the shepherds erupted into worship, 19 and 20 of Luke 2. Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen just as they had been told. Mary's reaction was different than either the shepherds or those who heard them. She calmly took it all in. She meditated over it in her heart. She was seeking to understand the deep meaning of it all. And Mary had good reason to meditate. What brought her to Bethlehem? A Roman emperor's great decree and perhaps the gossiping tongues of Nazareth. Oh, hey, psst. Did you know Mary's pregnant? The fingers pointing, the looks... You see, God works through all kinds of people and all kinds of events to accomplish his plan. That's God's divine providence. Church, listen to me. As followers of Christ, we have to remember it's not our job to judge. It is our job to love unconditionally and help in the restoration process of brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen? We are here to bring restoration. And I've told you before, I've been part of churches where, where something has happened and, and somebody's shown the door. God, help them. God, forgive them. 
The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen just as had been told to them. They had such a happiness and they were praising God because the word was fulfilled and that they had just been told. This means they had great zeal. According to Oxford Dictionary, zeal is great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. See, as Christians, we should be zealous. But as with any part of our Christianity, our lives, well, must have balance. Uh, you know, the sons of thunder were very zealous as well. You remember them? And they wanted to call down, Jesus to call down lightning and take out the town that didn't receive them. Wrong kind of zealousness, although tempting. We've talked about that zealous button on the dashboard of my truck. No, it's a smote button, I guess is what it is. Their zeal in glorifying and praising God is an implied reproof of our laziness and ingratitude, maybe even our complacency. If the trough that Jesus had been laid in had such an effect on them as to make them rise up from a stable in the manger to heaven, then how much more powerful ought the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ be in raising us up? There should be something behind that. It's now, it's at Christmas time that we should be excited, that we should celebrate. That's why we decorate. That's why we put up the lights and we want to celebrate the birth of Jesus, the glory and the majesty of God. God becoming man because he loves us that much. And all points bulletin has been delivered this is a global story. It's not just for one little location in Israel, but it's for the world. It's for all of creation. Good news of great joy. A Savior has been born to you. Glory to God in the highest. Amen. Peace on earth. Not in a total global peace aspect. We are, we are far from that. But in an individual peace in the heart of men and women. This message has come from heaven to the whole earth. In what language? English, of course. No. Heaven's multilingual. The angels spoke in a language that the shepherds could understand. It shows the importance of having God's word in different tongues that, that are on our planet. Pam's dad, for a season, worked for Wycliffe Bible Translators. Currently, they have translated the Bible into 1,500 languages. That's kind of cool. Gideon's print Bibles in 108 languages. But there are over 7,100 languages in the world today. So there's much work to do. We know the gospel message because we can read it. An angel proclaimed the good news and we get to read about it. Luke is a doctor. He's a, also a historian. He writes it all down after interviewing everyone involved, Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, and he puts it all together with a full picture and understanding of everything that had occurred. And then led by the Holy Spirit, he wrote both Luke and Acts with amazing detail. We read. We pray. We meditate and we learn how to obediently apply and, and then communicate the hope of the good news to everyone that God brings across our path. You and I can't possibly reach the, the billion plus people who don't have the gospel message, but we can take it seriously. 
we can read it, we can study it in such a way that we can be confident in sharing it with others. If you're struggling sharing your faith, spend more time in God's word. Learn from it how to do that. Don't wait for me to throw another seminar on how to witness. Right, we've had a few of our guys do that. It's great, those are great tools. But you get in the word and ask God to help you be able to communicate your story That's why we're starting two things in January 1, 40 days of prayer with the prayer cards, daily blogs, and then reading through the Bible chronologically together as a church. This is gonna require discipline for all of us. All of us, that's a challenge for all of us. Let's read it together. Let's, let's engage in prayer together. Let's shut off the technology that we seem to worship so much. Guilty. Let's shut it off. Let's open up the word. Let's spend time in prayer. Let's become people of the book. And as you and I go through the Bible, who is it that we're going to invite to read with us? Is it a family member? Is it friends? Who will you give a Bible to this year to make sure that the gospel message is in the hands of someone else? That's why we have the Bibles here. We've given away cases of Bibles. That's why we have the journal, so we can track, okay, where are you at? It's to inspire us to, to be self-disciplined, self-controlled. We also have, and we've given away hundreds since I've been here, of the little Gospels of Luke and John. We use them for outreach stuff. Whatever we can do to put the Gospel message in somebody's hand. An all-points bulletin. Just as the angel proclaimed the gospel message, now it is up to us to share the hope that we have. Jesus was born with the intention of going to the cross where he would die for your sins and my sins. That's the message. For God so loved you. You and I are not on this planet in this season by accident. It seems like there's chaos and there may be times where you're asking God, why am I here? <laughs> I don't want, I'm fearful of that mess. No, you know what? Set that aside. Stay focused on him. You have been blessed with gifts and talents and abilities, and you have a story that is unique. Your story, your testimony that God has given you, it needs to be used for his glory to lead others to the Lord, to help them spend eternity in heaven instead of hell. If you need a reminder of it, as we've been going through the book of Revelation, they don't want to be here, and they don't want to spend eternity in hell. In that, you and I must be determined to engage in God's word, to worship God in our home, in our jobs, our whole lives as a whole. We worship, yes, we worship on, on Sunday morning in song, but we worship with our life. Our very lives share hope with others. People see it, they know if there's something different in you. Ever had those conversations? But there's something, what is it about you? Oh, well, since you asked. Let it be that the Holy Spirit is shining through you. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your body a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. To know God's will means that, that we are in his word, studying it and looking for it and applying it. Many people accept Jesus Christ as their savior, but they never learn how to live a life that honors him. 
Paul encourages us to turn ourselves over to God each day, to lay down our will on that altar, to lay it down, that we live a life that honors God. We ask him to use us for his glory and for the good of his people. In full trust and worship, we commit to obeying him, to knowing the Lord who knows what is best for our lives. And he'll lead us, no matter what happens around us, he'll lead us every step of the way. Amen? That's why baby Jesus came. That's why he came. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you again for the freedom we have to worship you, that we get to be in your word and and we can surrender our lives to you as we celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. It's so amazing that that a baby born in in Bethlehem as predicted by the prophet Isaiah would be one that's called the wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace. Mighty God. The same one who is the child born, the son that is given. Mighty God, everlasting father. Someone who is able to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. We celebrate greatest and most impactful birth in history. It was the virgin birth of the spotless one who came for us. So then we ponder the question, what shall I give God who has everything? The only only thing he ever wanted is us. Lord, you want our, our willing choice. You want us to just choose to follow you. You want us to simply say, I need a savior. Lord, this season, some of us have a lot of joy in our lives, in our homes. It's awesome. Some of us are experiencing great loss and pain. You have a message. It's the same message. You say in your word, blessed are those who mourn. I pray, Lord, for those who are gathered now today that that need to know you, those that are struggling and mourning, God, that you would meet them at that point of need. And and if they need to accept you as their savior, that, that they would do that this morning. The circumstances may not change, but that peace and joy that that is there will come. We celebrate this morning. We do have joy. And you will bring joy in the midst of our sorrow. So Lord, you know each person. Would you meet them at that point of need? Would you draw our hearts and minds to you? The very one who gives us hope, peace, love, and joy. Help us, Father, to take this all points bulletin that that angel brought and help us to broadcast it to everyone that we can. I pray, Lord, that you will bless meals that are gonna happen today and meetings that'll happen over the next week and that you'll just open up doors of opportunity to bring hope and to share our faith. And there might be some of you this morning that are here or listening online and And now you see the importance of Christmas and how much God loves you. And and there's no pressure. I'm not trying to sell you anything. 
that there is an opportunity for you to get a fresh start this Christmas by choosing to accept that gift that God has given you. For you to understand that God loves you unconditionally. He'll take you just as you are right now. And salvation comes by a simple act of faith, placing your life into the hands of the one who gave you life to begin with, to give your life to Christ, the one who paid the price for you to be free of your sin and to live with him forever, the one who was born in a manger and grew up and died and rose again from the dead and ascended to heaven. And maybe you hear the same type of message every year at this time. You're thinking, I should just be talking about joy and peace. But that is what I am talking about. By surrendering your life and asking for forgiveness and believing in Jesus Christ, you will have ultimate peace and joy. Life won't be perfect, but it will be doable. See, we walk through life with God and others, other believers by our side. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you this morning, I'm gonna ask you just to have a simple conversation with God from, from your heart to his heart. And it doesn't have to be these words. This is just kind of a guide, but pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I have a better understanding now of the true meaning of Christmas. And I thank you for loving me that much. Thank you for sending out an all-points bulletin. I have reasoned and understand, and I'm making a choice to repent. Forgive me. I believe. I believe that you came to the earth, died on the cross for my sins, and I believe you rose again and are in heaven with God today. Please help me. Please be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer in this room, I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you after service. If you prayed it online, um, just shoot me an email, scott at foothillscalvary.org, and I'll get back to you as well. This has been Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org.